Okay, welcome back, Creatures of the Night, as I am joined once again by my friend Eamon Condon as we start part two of his look back at his WrestleManias that he experienced live, his firsthand accounts, uh, his emotions, what he was feeling. Uh, we started last time with WrestleMania 29, the final streak match as Undertaker went 21 and 0. Uh, against CM Punk to reclaim the urn and to reclaim the legacy of Paul Bearer. Um, and now we move on to one of the most infamous matches in not only WrestleMania history, but Undertaker history. As we are going down to New Orleans, Louisiana. WrestleMania 30, April 2014, where the beast Brock Lesnar meets the phenom The Undertaker. And um, it is a match that I have not watched back in many years for the reason that we all know that this is the day that lives in infamy of the day the streak dies. Uh, yeah, this is a sore spot for all creatures of the night. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I gotta correct you on one thing, though, while you're doing that intro. You said that the punk match was the last streak match. Technically, this is the last streak match. The punk match was the last successful uh, streak defense. Ah, yes, you got me there. You got me there. Um, so, so before we get started on the match, your first-hand experience going yeah. into this match, what were you feeling? Were you concerned that this may be the end? Did you think Undertaker was going to win? What, what were you feeling right here, right before the match gets started, going into the match? What are you feeling? Absolutely zero concern. None zero. whatsoever. Okay. Uh, the only thing that I was really, the only thing to me that I thought was like a selling point of WrestleMania, because uh, at this time, Hogan being back was kind of like a new thing. This was like the birth of the WWE Network. I remember. say like every other fucking word. Um, you know, it was literally Michael Cole just going WWE Network for only $9.99. Just every other fucking word. Uh, <laughs> And it just it like became a running joke where even Triple H made fun of it. And uh, just, you know, so I thought the only selling point for this show, besides Hogan and Rock and like just 30 year celebration, I thought the selling point of this show was Yeslemania and kind of picking up the scraps of Punk's departure. At no point did I think that they were going to end the streak. I thought that this was good. I thought this was a sure 22 and 0. Um, I thought that this was not going to be one of the like main focal points of Mania 30. I thought when we looked back on this, kind of like the rest of the historians, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, years later, kind of like what we're doing right now, I uh, you know thought that this would just be kind of something just kind of glossed over, kind of like uh, you know his victory uh, at Mania 11 with. King Kong Bundy, it's like, you know, there's not a lot of substance to that. It's kind of glaze over it. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, he won that, been there, you know, done. Next, you know, and then there's the one with Diesel. There's a little more substance there. There's the rivalry, you know, between them. And then it's, you know, it's just, all right, you are next. And, uh, you know, and then there's a little more substance in, you know, the next year with his main event and the championship and it being in Chicago uh, for me. But, uh, so I just, you know, like, as the years went on, there was like a little more substance with each match, but like, there were those years where it was just like he, he just won and that was it. There was nothing else really to it. And I thought this was going to be one of those years where it would just be looked back on it and it was just he won. That was it. What else did you think 
And uh, they, they, they always do that tradition too, where on the go home Raw or SmackDown before the big match, the heel has the, I see you, you know, doing the thing, or you're, you know, going with that. The heel is strong. It looks like, you know, they're going to win going into it. And then the baby face, you know, is the one who's victorious. And they'll always try to, you know, sell it as like, you know, they're going to take the title or they're going to take the streak or they're going to, you know, do whatever the fuck. And then they don't. But they're, you know, they at least are built strong to be a legitimate threat. And as you know, in that go home raw, it's taken with the F5. Uh, and then the Raws before that, Lesnar was made to look like a bitch, which is why I didn't think at all that Lesnar was going to do it. Like the pen going through his hand at the contract signing, mm-hmm. he's getting put through the table like nothing a week or two later, or like right before the next segment, um, Taker makes mincemeat of Paul Heyman on main event by showing up on main event and choking him by the throat. I don't know if you ever saw that. I remember. Vividly, I I remember that. Personally, to your client, you tell Brock Lesnar that when The Undertaker gets to New Orleans, He's gonna slay the beast. Uh, and that's when he also teases that he's gonna be in Brooklyn, and that sets up when he sh- when he uh, has the Druids bring the casket to the ring, and Paul Heyman does the you know he goes so the Undertaker challenges Brock Lesnar to show up in a place of in a place of all places in the world a slum like Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> and the place just booms. And he goes, and what happened? Undertaker doesn't even show up for the fight. The only thing he brings my client, Brock Lesnar, is an empty casket. And Taker obviously comes out. I remember the, that. The one, two, three, the boop, 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 boop. And he would always make those noises when he was doing the fast punches. You would hear Michael Cole talking over him, saying the only thing he would ever say there, Undertaker, the best pure striker in history of WWE. And over that, you would just hear Taker go, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> it's like it's like what they had like the the report that Ewan McGregor always used to do lightsaber sounds and they had to edit those things out of the Star Wars films. <laughs> right, right, right. And he, uh, but like it would start out slow and it would get fast and be like boop, 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 they made Lesnar look like it was, like, they made Punk look like a bigger threat than Lesnar with the whole, like, you know, the, the mind games and the stealing the urn and the, hey, if you get DQ'd, I still win. Like, they I agree. I agree. They, they made Punk, Punk a much better threat than Lesnar. Far better threat. And maybe they felt like they didn't have to make Lesnar a threat because he looked like such an intimidating threat and he had the UFC background and the NCAA background so maybe they thought that just the legitimacy was just built into him whereas Punk you know looking kind of like a recovering drug addict for lack of a better term at least physically like he's not he's not the most physical guy in the world that's you know is he one of the best technical wrestlers undoubtedly but is he is he tone at all he's a toothpick come on he's a toothpick and so like he I feel like they had to do all those like kind of mind games and even say like, hey, I can win via DQ because I don't know if anybody really believed like on an actual like pin you level, like I'm going to win clean. I don't think anybody really thought Punk could do that. 
But I think everybody in their mind thought, there's a chance they could actually give it to him on a DQ. Like, to just do, like, a really, like, like, this Vince is that kind of dude. Like, to give someone legitimate nuclear heat. And 2013 was kind of like the beginning of the end for wrestlers being able to get legitimate heat. Because, you know, you have social media where, like, everybody knows what's happening before it even happens. And so, like, to have an actual, like, segment where if there's actual heat, like, that actually resonates throughout, you know, social media and through, you know, pop culture is not something that can really happen these days. You know, like, when Jake and Snake Roberts put the snake on uh, Randy Savage's arm, like, you know, you got people sobbing in their seats. Yeah. I think the most, re- the most recent, I think, segment like that was when the Nexus attacked Cena. Because there were oh, a lot yeah. of people in that crowd that were fucking crying. I remember Even, that. Like, women, like, mothers were crying. Like, what the fuck? And I feel like that was, like, one of the last legitimate, like, whoa, heat segments. And that was three years before the match with Punk. And so, like, we were really kind of coming to the end of wrestlers getting legitimate heat. So I do think there were some people that could have seen Punk actually taking the streak on a DQ, and just the heat would have been nuclear for that. Like, you're saying, like, you are going to build this street story up for over 20 years, and you're going to give it away on a fucking DQ? The the heat would have been fucking insane. But I think the heat would have been just as insane if Punk got a clean one, two, three, because I don't know if that would have been credible. You know, maybe something like the, the more I think about it now, at the time live, I thought there's no way Taker's staying down for this. But when we watched the Mania 29 match back, I was thinking to myself, now that I'm seeing it again, that spot they do where Paul Heyman tosses him in the air and he hits him with it, that could have been a finish. That could have been a finish, yes. That could have been a finish. The referee coming to one, two, three. Punk actually gets a pin, but it wasn't clean. Like, that could have been done. And that would have actually been, that would have been a good finish to me. Like, I I could have seen that being a good way to, you know, to end the streak. Uh, but just kind of going back to this match, not at all did I think Lesnar was taking it. And even when, because again, there's those two weeks where he's a, made to look like a bitch, and then there's that final week going into the Raw where he gets the F5, and he walks up the, the ramp, and Taker's just kind of looking at him through the bottom row, holding himself up, just kind of looking at him like, well, you're done. And, uh, you know, but the year prior to that, you have Punk on top at the Go Home Raw, where he's, you know, putting the wood dust on Taker that, mm-hmm. you know, was supposed to look like ashes. And, you know, even the, I can't really say the year before that, because the year before that, the go-home Raw was just Taker saying to Triple H, remember when I said Sean was better than you? He is. <laughs> yeah, but the Michaels one, he always laid out Taker with sweet chin music. So, Michaels... But was- that wasn't what happened at the very, very last one, though. The very, very last Raw before the Street vs. Career match, though, Sean faced Kane on Raw, and Taker got revenge for that. The lights went, it was a no DQ match. The lights went out, lights came back on, and Taker had Sean by the throat, hit him, with, hit him with a choke slam. Lights went back out, came back on, Kane hit Sean with a tombstone, that was it. Wow, interesting. I don't remember that, actually. Although maybe, maybe Sean won? Maybe Sean reversed the tombstone attempt. I know he got chokeslammed by Taker, and then Taker disappeared. Maybe it maybe it probably would have made more sense for Sean to at least win that match. You know, he's going to lose in Mania Twenty Six, just to kind of still look strong. Um, but I know that that wasn't 
I know what you're talking about, though, where, like, every week going into that, he was hitting them with the sweet chin. And even in their main 25 bill, he was hitting them with the sweet chin yeah. all the way up to it as well. But um, I know for 26, at least, that was not the last image that we saw of him. Taker got his comeuppance for that uh, sweet chin music, and he chokeslammed him during a one-on-one that Sean had with Kane on Raw. I don't remember the finish to that match. I want to say Kane won, but now that I think about it, it might have been Sean. Um, but just, yeah, history has always shown that the guy who's not going to win the match is the one who looks like he's going to win the match on the go-home show. Uh, so, I mean, that that wasn't even a driving reason as to why I thought he wasn't going to win. I just thought he wasn't going to win. I was mm-hmm. like, he, he doesn't need to break the streak. It should be somebody, like, younger. I honestly thought it was going to be Cena at that time. At that time, I thought it was going to be staying at 31, losing, and then it was going to be Cena and him in Dallas in 2016, which it was supposed to be up yeah. until Cena fucking up his shoulder. Um, but that would have been moot because the streak would have been alive even if that match had happened. But let's say the streak was alive. I would have given the streak to Cena. Hmm. Uh, and I honestly, I would have turned Cena heel. I would have fucking turned Cena heel in 2016, and I would have given him the streak. Uh, whoever got the streak should have turned heel, period. So whether you do it with Roman or whether you do it with Cena, a heel turn. So mm-hmm. the way I've always told people, it, it should have either been Roman turning heel, Cena turning heel, or nobody. That's fair. There's three options to me for the streak. It either never should have been broken, or if it was going to be broken, it should have been done right for business. And it should have made like a huge moment. For me, Lesnar wasn't, wasn't that, you know, meteor, you know, that wiped out the dinosaurs moment. It just... Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. It wasn't that, you know, revolutionary, like, where do we go from here? You know, what the fuck does this mean? Not just for the street, not just WrestleMania, but for WWE. Like, I wanted one of those kind of endings to the street. Like, like, like kind of like with what the feeling the Nexus attacking Cena left you with, where you were really sitting there going, what does this mean for next week's Raw? But I mean, on a grander scale. Because for the Nexus attacking Cena and doing all that damage, you 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 didn't think, what does this mean for WWE? You just thought, shit, what does this mean for next week's Raw? I'm going to tune into that. But like, I wanted something so catastrophic for the street ending that you were sitting there going, what does this mean for the company? Yeah. Like, I wanted something like that. And so I just, at, at no point did I see Lesnar being the guy to do that. And I just... I it never once gone out. And, and then two out of five in. I was like, hey, he ain't he ain't losing. When the third out of five hit, the only thought that went through my head was, this match is gonna go on a long fucking time. Taker's taking out a three of these? Holy shit. It still never dawned on me that it was over until he didn't kick out. Then I like popped out of my chair. But we'll get to that later, obviously. And you are not alone. I also didn't think anything of this. I thought it'd just be another streak match, 22-0. and 0. Um, I thought it'd be almost like Undertaker's revenge from like the prior years but where Lesnar got always the up on The Undertaker in the badass time. Yeah. I thought this was Undertaker's time to shine here at WrestleMania. Um, in you know, how they do those, the bookings and about, you know, how, how people think how each match is going to go, like uh, the statistics and everything. They said that Brock Lesnar had the least amount of favorability in any streak match. They, this was the highest Undertaker was favored 
in any of his streak matches to win. So probably why Vince fucking said, fuck it, let's just give it to him. Just to fucking piss us all off and just be like, oh yeah, you think you know what's what? Because Vince does have a history of doing that. And that's exactly, I think, what happened because the Undertaker has given multiple interviews that both him and Lesnar came to WrestleMania that day knowing that Undertaker was winning. And that Vince changed his mind right before the match went on. Well, that's the official story. I go back and forth in my head. I I believe that's the that's the story. I believe I I do not put any credit in Lesnar breaking it on his own. Brock is too smart of a businessman to take that risk into his own hands. Uh, Brock and Taker, as on all accounts, are very close. I don't think Brock would do anything to harm a relationship like that with Undertaker. Uh, by all accounts, Lesnar wanted to lose to Undertaker. He he talked to Vince to lose. Vince was okay until the day of. In typical Vince fashion, you know what, pal? I'm changing my mind. Well, Paul Heyman has also reported, though, that when they went to Titan Towers and Vince let him in on what Lesnar was doing for the first time, they didn't say a word until they got back to Lesnar's bus, and Lesnar just looked at Paul and just went, And then said to him, I'm the one. So, I mean, like, Lesnar, like, I, uh, there's conflicting reports there, though. I know, and that of course, Heyman, of course, Heyman will, and of course, Heyman will not, you know, bring up, you know, the real life things. You know, he wants to keep, you know, as much kayfabe as he wants to about the Lesnar and the character and everything like that. So, We'll never, know, we'll never know Lesner for sure. what Lesnar wants to do, and I mean, even though, and we'll hear it on this Peacock version, uh, you know, we'll hear the bell ringing in this version, but like, the bell did not fucking ring when I was there live, and that three count hit, and I don't think it would have taken that long for Justin Roberts to announce the winner, and I don't think it would have taken that long for the music to play, and I don't think it would have taken that fucking long for a 21 and one video graphic to hit the screen if it was all planned to happen. Even if he had changed his mind two hours before the show, you're gonna have all that shit ready to go in the production show. That took a suspicious amount of time to get anything going. It's like, Oh, it's like almost two minutes. Okay. I think I think they wanted to play in the fact that maybe it was, um, you know, like it was so unexpected that maybe not even anything else was planned. They, because you know how things are. But we'll never know for certain. But what we do know for certain is that I'm I'm ready to to start this when you are. You ready to go on this? Yeah. Cool. So we are queued up both on Peacock at 2 hours and 20 minutes on the dot. Um, this is one of, actually this is one of my favorite Undertaker entrances with the caskets and him looking at the casket and burning the Lesnar one. It's one of my favorite entrances of his, especially at WrestleMania. And um, It was cool watching him load all the caskets on the stage because obviously... Uh... Um, because if you 
you know, when you're watching WWE's production stuff on the cameras, you can't see what all the guys are doing on the stage, you know, clearing all the, um, um, you can't see them loading all the band equipment on the stage for a live performance for a superstar to come down. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't see, like, everything that they're doing to get everything ready for all the shit. And so as Lesnar was coming down the stage and taking his time to get in the ring, you could see in the corner, kind of the right-hand corner, you could see a ramp that was on the side of the stage that went down to the floor. You could just see them on like a rolly kind of wheel-style bridge. You could just see them, like, you know those playground slides that you go on that were all just like rolling wheels? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, that's, that must be so, that must be so like cool and weird at the same time to see these things like being set up for this entrance i mean that that's kind of cool to see like that production go into effect but also kind of weird because you know you, you take something away from it seeing that all this stuff being constructed when the other person's coming down for his entrance um <laughs> yeah it's just uh so it's cool like, and i don't know if that was there the whole time but it was like for when they were loading all the caskets out, and they had fucking 22 of those fuckers. I know. Just watching them so quickly, it was like fucking a like, chain of like, almost like when you have like a fire, and you got like a chain <laughs> of people like taking a bucket from a river, and like tossing it like, <laughs> from one person to the next, to the next, to the next, to get into the fire. It was like, they were just tossing casket to person, casket to person. That's hilarious. So <laughs> 22 caskets faster than I've ever seen any fucker do that. Um, it was so cool. But, uh, you gotta hand it to that uh, production truck. Oh, uh, yeah. Production crew for being able to do that stuff so fast and having nobody be able to see, like, on, at least from the, like, watching it on the production set version, like, on your TV, you don't see shit. When no. you're there live and you see all, like, all the fucking rigmarole <laughs> stuff that has to be done. It's so, like, I have more fun when I'm at a live show watching that than the actual entrances. And, like, while the wrestler is standing on the, like, second row doing his pose and everybody's looking at him and taking their pictures, I'm, like, looking at the stage and I'm watching the, like, 15 fucking trucks, the uh, production dudes, just, like, with, like, sweat rolling off their fucking face, just doing everything as fast as they can. And I'm like, gotta put this here, gotta grab this. It's That's hilarious. I love it. They run around like fucking chickens with their heads cut off. Oh, it's I, fucking awesome. I know. So, um... You know what I'm really going to be excited to see? when I'm at, And I'll take as many videos as I can. Please do. At the Hall, at the hall of Fame. I'm I'll excited. I want to know how they get that thing constructed in between SmackDown and Hall of Fame. What's the turnaround going to be like? And are there going to be any dark matches? Is there going to be oh, a dark yeah. match on SmackDown to kind of kill the time? Or are we going to go right into like a fucking makeshift red carpet ceremony where the wrestlers that didn't work you, the show come out with their significant others in suits and shit? And, and like I will let you, the tunnel? I'll let you know what they show during that segment here at on on the TV because I'm really trying to know how they fill that time. If you go and look at the map on TikTok, the stage looks really different and the ring is on a diagonal. Interesting. So spin it so that it's in a diamond shape. That's interesting. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing how all this comes together. But that is in a month from now. We are here. WrestleMania 30. I am ready when you are. You all set? Eamon? Sorry, hang on. Um, yes. I am ready, bud. Cool. So, three... 
two, one, play. Two, tw two hours, 20 minutes on the dot. And uh, like you said, we're seeing that. I love, yeah. Mm -hmm. Seeing like the retrospective of the streak and everybody he beat and the names on the caskets. Yeah, I love it. And just hearing the hollow on earth, like, you're gonna stop this guy. And if you notice, the camera guy walking through the caskets is not keeping up with the speed of the video package. Yeah, I, not I noticed that. He's on Media 20, he's on like casket number 9. Yeah. But yeah, like we were saying before, I really wasn't worried. Um, I, I, I was like, I had some doubts sometimes during the match. I had, but you know, I really thought it was going to be just 22 and all, but. I never doubted at any point. It was like that three took me by a. Oh, I know. I I remember watching it at home, and I was floored. I literally hit the floor. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Dude, all of the air was vacuum sucked out of that fucking dome. I can't wait to hear. I can't. I can't wait to hear your reaction at the end and see what was happening at that thing, at that uh, in the stadium at that time. That building is like one of the most important buildings for me, honestly, at this point. Because that's where I'm on TV for Media 34. I'm here for this, for the street. And actually, when you think about it in hindsight, you didn't work 35. The bone yard yeah. match was 36. And he stays in the ring or no more. So, like, 34 was the last time. To see a formal WrestleMania match of Undertaker, watching you walk, having in the match. Like, when you have that in mind, I'm kind of okay with it being a squash. Yeah, yeah. I was okay with but it when it happened. It a perfect world. Should have been a 30 minute classic. Fuck yeah. But how many times have you seen John Cena be made into a bitch in less than three minutes? Not you very much. And it was the last other time he did the flying clothesline, too, which is one of my favorite things of his growing up. Uh, yeah, dude, this was awesome. Yeah, the casket opening. Kind of looking at the casket and it opening. That whole stage was just the shit. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm convinced every time NXT would do those takeover shows and they'd have a fucking axe with the LED screens on it, that they would walk by, I'm it was one of those smaller accidents on the 30 stage. Like every time I would look at it, I'm like, they showed me all one of those fucking Mania 30 accidents out from the warehouse and just stuck it on their fucking, they did. I know they did, yeah. Like that's one of the Mania 30 accidents, no doubt in my mind. I love he looks back and he sets the casket on fire. That's brilliant. That whole stage was just insane. And like, all it is is just the logo. Yeah. For the show. It's literally just a blown up logo of Mania 30. That's all the stage was. And yet it was 
one of the sickest stages they've ever done. Yeah. Like, look at how big that thing looks behind it. And as we'll see as when Undertaker raises the lights in a little bit, I love his I love his entrance gear here. The black and red studded coat, the the red studded hat, brim. I love I love this entrance attire here. You get a little mix of Dead Man, you get a mix of the ministry with the goatee. It's just a all-around great entrance attire and wrestling attire here in this match. So where were you in this mania? Where were you seating, seated, seated here in this mania? Can't really see where I'm at. Um. So I think. When he does the arm raise thing here, uh, I think you're gonna see a shot from the camera that's like all the way up in the fucking ceiling. So get your remote ready if you can. If you can pause the screen with me at the same time, I'll point to you where it is. If the camera changes and it doesn't wait until it does, I'm pretty sure it goes back to that view. The hot camera up in the corner of the dome. Uh, when it does, I'll be able to point to exactly where I'm at. Because you can honestly only see it from that camera. But did you have a good view of the match? Could you see them actually fighting? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I was fucked up while I was sitting when I was in the highest power. In the corner, like, against the wall. Like, I was like, oh. I really can't see where I'm sitting. What it is. Oh my god, you see those conflicting signs? Yeah, 22 and old, 21 and one, just married. I know, I was just talking about how wonderful, how I love this attire. I love the goatee. I didn't like this look. I really did. I think I could have gotten over the goatee if he still had the long hair. He would have looked like the Ministry of Darkness. Yeah. But with this whole like, the Mohawk thing, the goatee was like maybe one of the biggest mistakes he ever did. To me, I didn't like this look. That's fair. That's fair. I was indifferent. I was okay with it. But you know, I I, I always prefer my Undertaker with the long hair. There's that origin, like Undertaker action figure pack, where there's like five Undertaker figures, and it's like the Western Undertaker, the Purple Undertaker, mm -hmm. the Biker Taker, this Taker, yeah. and then the most recent Taker, there's like the lots of pants and the belt buckles, and it all looks like a Mania 33 Taker, yeah. and I'm like, excuse the fuck out of me, where's the fucking like almost 15 years <laughs> in between of just the iconic I know. Alright, so this, this I really want to see. I want to see how he worked before the concussion. Because I don't remember. 
like how long he went before being in cuffs. This is gonna be interesting. Oh! I don't remember there being a suplex that early. He didn't sell that, he didn't sell that for shit. He like did, but he didn't. If he was an AEW star, like he would've just popped back up. He at least kind of sold it, like the facial expression. But he just kind of popped right back up. John is going to have to alter his strategy at all times. This is a good match. Like, out of the gate, this is like a very physical, just like. It's not like Goldberg Lesnar where it's just trading spears and suplexes. It's like, it has a lot more, I keep saying these words, but it has a lot more substance. Like, there's yeah. Like, it's like, it's like trading back and forth reversals and like, like one stumbles and then one gets pops back up. One no sells a suplex, the other one is just barreling these forearms in the chest. Like, it's just a fucking just clubbing war. <laughs> Lesnar screaming. Ah! Did you get this on the frame? Yes, I do. I, I think at some point you're going to see this get wrapped Damn, Baker's already starting to get gassed here. He's trying to hide it. You can see him breathing like this. Then, like, keeping his, like, lips curled and keeping his mouth soft. And, like, he's breathing heavy already. He looked really good, though. Yeah. He had a little bit, a little bit of a drop, but, like, he still looked good. I, I think he had a little, I think he had more of a gun in Mania 29. And he did here. And yeah. Like, like, no, like, not, like, noticeably. No, no. For the past, for the... He had more of a gun. Yeah, he, in 28 and 29, he always had a bit of a gut, but not noticeable. And here, like, even there, you can, you can see in the hard camera shot there that he had a bit of a gut. But still, it was in control here. But there were those days uh, in the early 2000s where he really let himself go. You can especially see when he came back as the badass, he was not in the best of shape. Well over 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Wearing those iconic pants. And Did you get an ad too just now? I had like a black screen. Did your screen go black and then turn into an ad? No. Oh, I'm, I have an ad right now. So okay, hang on. I'll pause mine. Okay, yeah, I have, a, I have a dual ad, so it says 60 seconds. Right now there's another 42 seconds. So yeah, I remember Undertaker with like the oversized shirts what? to hide everything. Yeah, I remember. Your voice is your power. There's a lot of work to Probably lower, lower your volume a little bit. It's impossible not to listen. Ugh, I hate okay, it's on. It's on? Spending a lot of time on the outside of the ring, and it's not even a no DQ match. Oh. 
Well, I don't think he's got the concussion yet. Oh, he's going for he's going for the Undertaker leg drop. It's pretty good so far. What are you thinking when watching this back? Right, so when he was standing on the apron, did you see that second like corner screen that says WrestleMania on it? The yeah. One? Yeah. Directly behind him and behind that screen, the right one, not the one you can see from where they are. When David was standing on the apron. Yeah. I was right behind that screen in the front row. Oh wow, cool. Followed up there. So basically, when we had the screen paused at 220 flat, yeah. um, that shot, that corner shot from up high in the 400 section of the stage in the rain, that was pretty much my view. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Yeah. This was a good match when it started. Yeah, it's, it's a good match. It was good when it started. It was, it was well paced. I think we're getting, I think this is where the concussion happens though. It's coming now. And this is going to go downhill from here. Real I can hear you. I can hear them. With him falling down on the uh, mat. It could be. I had to see. I had to see how he continues here. I'm pretty sure that's what it, I think they're gonna do a replay too, so you can watch the replay. But I mean he's he's out of it at this point. From this point on, dude. Look like look at his eyes. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's the point. I can hear JBL and Michael Cole coming from your TV. That was a little inappropriate to say. <laughs> I never said this was a kid-friendly podcast. Huh? I never said this was a kid-friendly podcast. Okay, I was going to say, if you were trying to tell me that it was a kid-friendly I have to go. Now. Yeah, right. Let's just let him go. How the fuck he is. Let's just tell him eight episodes there. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is like a GED sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know. He's like, he's like, I re remember when Undertaker came back at Battleground and Tombstone Lesnar. Undertaker's pants were dripping in in Lesnar's sweat. He never does. I don't know, but Lesnar doesn't do shit in some matches, and he just sweats like a he just sweats like a hog. Dude, look, dude, he's dripping. I know he's dripping. I'll always remember that Undertaker tombstoning Lesnar when he comes back and his pants are just dripping in Lesnar's sweat. I was just about to say, hey, your favorite person's on there. Same little punk ass bitch. That's actually funny enough, as you, as you said. He was fucking, he was front row at Battleground when I was taking return. Of course he was. Of course he was. Front row at Mania 27. Front row at Mania 29. Front row here. Front row at Battleground. Front row at AEW. What? He's gonna be fucking front row probably in the fucking Hall of Fame. He's gonna be front row at Undertaker's fucking funeral. He's like, let's just get this fucking faggot front row everywhere. Like, Jesus. I can't believe how much Lesnar's sweating here. Oh my god. I can't take my eyes off it now. That kid's gonna be sitting front row at Vince McMahon's funeral. Triple H is gonna be sitting second row. And then this little two stained bitch. Gonna be sitting in the front row, looking at the fucking cameras, trying to get a fucking moment. I know, he still. Yeah, he still gets through it. But I could see him coherently whispering a spot to Lesnar there, though, in the, when he was up against the ropes. Mm -hmm. So, like, how out of it is he really, though? I just, there's so much about this night that I so question. Stop it. You can't capitalize on it. 
There's so much about what went down in just this match and this day that I just, I know we'll never know, but there's just so much that I really wonder. I know. He's still moving, he's still moving good. I just I just figured out a uh, pose I need to do. That exact segment, whole thing, two runs into the corner, snake eyes into a boot. He did that to John Cena at 34. And I think if I put That's both right. those videos side by side, it'll be literally sequential. That's right, I remember that. It's like what my. I was tell you about when Taker would run from one post to the other. He would just like, and then hit it. It's just like what Michael Cole says when Undertaker's fighting Cena. You know, he's come back at this arena to make things right. So it's like it's 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 so perfect that that Cena match happens at this arena. Spitting that his last traditional mania match happened in that building. Yeah. Yeah, his first one, yeah. Hardly anybody got up for that one. Is this Hell's Gate? I think Hell's Gate is coming soon. JBL foreshadowed the shit out of this match. He already calls 21 and 1 five minutes in. And then just here he says to Lesnar, keep going to the well, Brock, it's working. <laughs> JBL was fucking onto something, man. The way he's calling this match. It might be Hell's Gate. It might, it might be. Yeah, I think it's Hell's Gate. I, me I remember this spot. But if you saw Lesnar, he realized he wasn't in the right spot. Like, he walked a little too close to take her shoulder and head. And so he stumbled back over to where he had to actually be, though. Get locked in for the Hell's Gate. You can mm -hmm. see him, like, walk a little too far over take her shoulder. And then he turned around and went back to the spot. I think he powers out of it if I remember. He just picks him up and slams him. Yeah. What's the 
Yeah. Just cups his hands and just slams him. Was that the last gasp by the Undertaker, though? I think that's all he had left. JBL foreshadowing the shit out of this man. Did you think it was going to be a pinfall? Did you think Lesnar was going to submit? I think it was going to be a tombstone. A tombstone? Lesnar's not... Like... Lesnar doesn't tap. Did you think it was... They never had him do. He's been pinned before, but like, they never had him tap. Did you think it was going to... Like did did you think that was gonna maybe they were gonna pull this here, like a like a no like just he like passes out so it's not like a decision decision. Nah, because then that calls into question whether or not it's actually an actual number that counted for the streets, and it would just it would just fuck the whole thing up. I, it would have to have been a definitive win, and it doesn't hurt Lesnar to take a pin. Like it just doesn't. That's true. His return match. His very first return match in Extreme Rules 2012, he's in the Got the Kimura lock on now. SummerSlam 2015. I wish it was a more clear-cut ending. I loved that finish. That was a very good finish. And from what I understand, Paul Heyman created that. That was a great finish. I liked that. It just should have been done in a, in a street match. It would have caused way too much controversy. That's true. I, I, I was going for, did you think they were going to have Lesnar just pass out in the WrestleMania match? Not right. Well, in this, in this match, no. It had to have been a defensive match. And, and that was my, my point. Because he had just passed out. Well, a street match, you wouldn't have people debating whether or not it was actually, like, whether or not it actually counted. That's uh, fair, yeah. It would have had to have been a definitive win. I, uh, any other match, Lesnar passing out, great finish. Uh, 
one feud match of 2015. Lesnar passing out after Taker tapping out the ref not seeing it. Great finish. I thought the whole thing was great. Charles Robinson screaming at the timekeeper. I didn't call for the bell. Like it was the whole thing. You had all the fans standing up. Like what the fuck just happened? You had Paul Heyman recreating the the streak moment by kneeling in the corner of the ring in the exact same corner of the ring, putting his hands up in the same way as your mouth. Oh my god! Oh my god! You're trying to recreate the same amount of trauma. Oh, I remember this. Uh, yeah, the old school. Second F five. Yeah, the old school into the F5. This match, honestly... It's not bad. I don't give it enough credit. I was going to say, I, I honestly gave this match a really bad rap. It's not bad. It's... Undertaker, Undertaker is still in fighting shape here, even with a concussion. <laughs> but like the structure of the match too, how it builds, the the, the moves, going from like just the the, the round and pound in the ring and outside the ring to the leg drop to the old school to the snake eyes to a choke slam to the first half five to the training of submission holds, to the second at five, like the structure, how they built the moves. Mm -hmm. It was it was a very well cadence match. Uh, I don't give it the credit it deserves. Like this was, this was a pretty good match. And honestly, not a bad one to end the streak on. Like, honestly, it should have been heel Cena or heel Roman. But if you were going to have somebody who has the background of Brock Lesnar do it, this is the match you have. Where it's a literal, I'm just going to beat the fucking shit out of you until I, until I take it. And like, this match is legitimately, it's half selling, half legitimately beating the shit out of this man. Because he beat the shit out of Undertaker that night. Poor shoot. Like, beat the fuck out of him. To the point where he was hospitalized for two days. I love that. You're gonna let him deprive you of this? He's taking this away from you! Oh, Heyman. Really? Yeah. Wow. Damn. Damn, Paul. But I, but I think he was also just standing near one of the mics where they bumped. Oh, that could be true, yeah. Remember SummerSlam 2014? The little kid throughout the whole 18-minute match of Lesnar and Cena who just keeps yelling, let's go Cena, and that's all you can hear because he's right near the fucking <laughs> I don't remember watching that. I don't remember SummerSlam 2014 For that well. 18 minutes as Lesnar just almost seen him the whole match. <laughs> oh my god. I have to watch that back just for that moment. The whole fucking... Dude, if I did a drinking game out of how many times I 
Probably. Oh, here it is. The first and only tombstone. And you can, like, hear him over the commentators, too. <laughs> like, he's, like, that loud. Uh, and he did this tombstone very well for being out of it. Yeah. He didn't set it up the way he normally does by getting the guy, you know, mm-hmm. both his legs to the little side. Uh, but he still did it pretty well for being as out of it as he was. Yeah, and they did the, the tur- just before that, they did the turnbuckle last ride spot. Yeah. Right, dude, here comes, here comes the, uh, oh, here comes the hammer. As, uh, as Freddie Mercury would say, now it's time for the hammer to fall. Yeah, here it goes. The setup! And the setup! Here it comes. Oh. It's over. The way he reversed out of that tombstone. Going for the triple. Dude, I still can't believe this even happened. Look at those faces, dude. Right before, you weren't here, but right before he got him up for this tombstone, he was whispering something into Lesnar's ear. Yeah, because Undertaker was still coherent. If he wanted to kick out, he would have kicked out. He was still coherent. He was he was talking things to Lesnar and everything. You could see his eyes are open. He can he was looking around and everything. Yeah. He wasn't as out of it as I remembered him being out of it. But yeah. then again, when I was there live, I was a teenager in high school. Like I'm watching it now, it was like a I don't even like to say it, but I'm watching it now as an almost thirty year old man. And you can see you can see as the referee's looking at him, Undertaker's talking to the referee, so he's 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 coherent. He knows what's going on. I thought he was more out of it than I than I remembered, but yeah. That match overall, dude, fell the bell. Not like I honestly, I did that like a three and a half. And then the infamous Brock Lesnar wink to him. I remember this. What do you What do you give that man? I, I I give it a three and a half. Same. I, actually, I would. Maybe three and three quarters, but like not bad, dude. Yeah, there there was the wink. Yeah, the wink. Brock Lesnar just cemented his legacy. 
I can't believe you were either. <laughs> so it was so it was just as it was just as silent and dead as it was on TV. Do I remember it? Yeah. Yeah, I remember he doesn't get up until Lesnar is gone. The only picture I took, I, I don't know why, I think I was just so numb. I never thought the video game, I really wish I did. Hmm. I didn't really take anything. I took one picture of that scoreboard that you could see over Undertaker's body that said 21 and 1. I took one picture of that from my seat and it said 21 and 1 on it. Uh, and that's when I show people when they think I wasn't there. I showed them that picture of the scoreboard. It's that one right there that's showing it. Uh, I just showed it to people. I'm like, nope, I was there, bro. <laughs> yeah. See, he, uh, he immediately get, sits up after Lesnar is gone. He, yeah, he's... He's still, you know, he. I know he's got a concussion, but yeah, he's still, he's still got his faculties and everything to know where he is and every and know what to do. This is, dude. This has quickly become like one of my more like favorite. Hart sitting in the chair in the corner. Oh my god, I remember, always remember that. Sitting in the chair, or just standing in the ring waiting while Vince just getting mobbed, gang beat by his family. Oh my god, I remember that. That whole thing sucked. Yeah, so I'm basically sitting right above Undertaker's left shoulder. Yeah, yeah. In the third row over there, behind that screen. So as as it comes to an end here, were you thinking he's coming back the following year? Were you thinking this is the end? What were you thinking? I, I was so caught off guard by this that I didn't really know what I was thinking. I remember that I needed to actually leave. I remember during the Divas Invitation, I didn't watch it. I took an entire lap around. Because you know when an arena's like that, you have the four layers. And so the concession stands and the bathrooms are basically being a circle on your on your leg, on your floor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So your hallway will basically for your floor just be one circle with one around. And there's four of them. So for me, I just did one long loop, one just walk around the circle floor of my leg. And I did go to the bathroom, I remember that. And I just walked and just I just walked straight forward, I just stared straight forward. And I just remember just being um, did I think he was going to come back? Like, honestly, I was very uncertain. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was in retirement. 
what I saw on the video screen, did you see this? You could see every commentator standing and applauding. When I saw that, I didn't know. At that point, I was like, this might be for a shoot. I was like, for a shoot, this might be the end. But I'm, uh, I'm so And so I was, uh, I remember when Ray Wyatt was doing all those vignettes backstage leading up to Mania 31. There was all the speculation that he was calling out Undertaker. And I remember how excited I was for that whole film. Um, and then it's finally being revealed that it was going to be Taker. Um, at that point, you know, once Taker won that match at Mania 31, I was like, oh, I mean, okay, great. We're just going to keep having him. But I remember at that point, in my head, I'd be saying to myself, like, and why even break the streak? Like, if you're going to get more mileage out of him, if you're going to get, like, another three, four maniacs out of him, why break the streak? Like, why? You could have you could have sold a lot more tickets, and you could have served a much bigger purpose at each mania if he was still undefeated, but, I mean, it's not my company. So, yeah. it's did what he did. And I also don't remember him taking this little time getting up, too. I thought it was longer than this. Maybe us talking over it is making you feel like that's for you, but it just, it felt like it was a lot longer for him to get Yeah, sometimes Vince has short-term visions. He thinks, oh, this is the best thing ever, I'll do it, and then a year later... A year later, ah, shit, pal, I should've never done it. Show, pal. Like, 
but seriously, because that was never Vince's plan. The fans forced him to do that. And Vince is one of those kind of stubborn fuckers that like doesn't like to be told what to do. And when he sees JR tell him not to draft him to SmackDown, he not only drafts him to SmackDown, but he makes sure one of the camera guys is pointing a camera at him at the announce desk to film his reaction. So like he, he not only doesn't like to be told what to do, but he will stick it to you if you tell him what to do. So like I feel like honestly, even not even if not for the biggest reason, I feel like one of the reasons why he changed his mind and made the if that's what he did, because I I don't know. But if he did make the decision consciously before the the, the show happened, I think a big reason why he did was to stick it to Daniel. Like just being a petty little just old crustaceous bitch. And just sit there and just be like, let's see, you get one on me on my show, pal. Uh, you know, I always described, I've always described Vince McMahon as a petty bitch, and I love him for it. He's a petty, crustaceous cheapskate, dude. He's a living Mr. Kraft. Dude, he's fucking, like, you ever see that Spongebob where Squidward is doing the talent show? Yes, yes. Mr. Krabs puts up the salad bar? A dollar, a dollar. But it's a free salad bar, and so people start throwing the tomatoes, and then he says, oh, there's money on this. And so he sticks a dollar on there, and so they start sharing a dollar, and they're like, it's worth every penny. So, like, I, that's Vince. Vince gives you something, then he realizes, goddamn, now I'm losing money on this. And then he, he just fucking changes it, just to make his own money. And, like, he'll fire you to save profits, record-breaking profits, before he'll, before he'll do anything that's like, ironically enough, best for business. <laughs> and so it's just so, that's why when I watch Spongebob and I hear Spongebob just like melt on Mr. Krabs in anger and just yell, don't you get it, you crustaceous cheapskate? I just laugh because I'm like, that's every wrestler that works for Vince. That's what they're thinking in the locker room. They're, they just want to grab Vince by his suit and just scream at him, don't you get it, you crustaceous cheapskate? <laughs> Well, this right, this this match was better than I remembered, and yes, I will agree with that. Um, I will also turn that question back to you. Did you think this was the end for Taker when this happened? Um, I know the streak ending kind of caught you off guard too. Yes, Do you think this was it. Uh, one thing that kept me in doubt is that he did not turn around towards the fans when raised his arm. Um. So it was like, he always did that even if he lost. He does that in Roman Reigns' match, even though he lo- loses. He turns, he still turns to the crowd and raises the arm. He does not do it here. So I was he like... Did that, he did that too at the One Night Stand show uh, against Edge when it was, if he didn't win the, the belt, he was banished. Yeah, so I was like... He didn't raise his arm, but he turned and looked at everybody before limping off. Yeah, and he didn't do that here. So that put me in a little bit of doubt. I was like... Oh shit! And I always thought, I always thought he yeah. would he would finish when the streak ended. I always thought it was it. So when that ended, I was like, oh shit. Um, well, they also kind of ruined the story too because Taker said many times, when the streak dies, he dies, and so the fact that the streak died and we still got like another three, four manias out of it was kind of like, well. Do you really die then when the streak dies? Or Just kidding, pal. And then, and then that's the thing. It kind of ruins the whole story of the streak because then it's like, did you really have to kill yourself every year to keep it intact then? If you were just going to keep going when it died? Um, 
it, it, that's just me once again just finding a plot hole but like it does kind of ruin the story of the street when you realize like he's saying when it dies I die but then it doesn't die when it dies it's just kind of like well then you really didn't have to because like in that sense you're saying like oh okay you're putting yourself through that in those matches to basically save yourself in the end because if you don't win the match it's the end for you um, so that, that explains why you would basically set yourself on fire and walk away from it to keep yourself alive but if you're gonna die and then not die it kind of like ruins the whole story and it kind of makes everything he went through in all those street matches almost like pointless but he gets a good resurrection the next year you know it's like he's like off tv for an entire year yeah. so it's like he's off t he's off tv for an entire year he doesn't come back for celebration episodes he doesn't come back for anything no. So it's Not almost that. like it's almost like Bray Wyatt resurrects the Undertaker. You get a whole new different Undertaker, WrestleMania 31. You get Undertaker with the pants. You get Undertaker with hair. You get Undertaker with a beard. So it's a whole kind of different morphing of the Undertaker here. So he gets a nice resurrection feel. So it's almost like he's on a second life. It's yeah. honestly a throwback to the beginning of the revival of the Dead Man because when he did that No. Four, you had the long baggy underpants with the belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, yep. was a, it was a throwback to like what was at that time 19 years ago. Or, uh, no. 11. It had been 11. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like jumping fucking time zones there. Jesus. Uh, no, but at that time it was going on 11 years uh, to that point or 10 years to that point. So he was kind of doing a throwback to the beginning of the revival of the yeah. Man sort of look, uh, which I thought was really cool. Um, Something that's interesting too is that Bray Wyatt, I don't know if you ever heard about that, but he posted a tweet saying that for each one of those, there were eight of those promos that he did. You told me this last time that there would be like some kind of special message or something. Well, there was in each of those eight promos, there was one sentence in each of those, and he didn't say when it was in mm -hmm. each of those, but there was one sentence in each of those eight promos. And if you put them together, it created one long story. A lot of people think that it was him setting up the the like origin story of the Fiend. Interesting. A lot of people think that he had the idea for the Fiend that far back, and that he was setting up the story for it there, because um, that was just his own doing. Like he said that he wrote those things that he was saying, or he helped write, or at least got them approved. You don't write anything yourself in WWE. You got it cleared by WWE to say those things. And so I'm sure with intention, he got certain lines or certain sentences cleared so that he could carry out the project that he was doing for himself. Mm -hmm. um, lack of better term, going into business for himself, but hardly just creating some sort of dialogue for himself. And I guess if he was trying to, you know, pat himself on the back or, you know, protect himself for the future and kind of set himself up with a story for the future, you know, maybe that's what he was doing, but I don't think anybody ever figured it out. Oh, yeah, it's probably ridiculous to figure it out. You know, you can't just pick out sentences and just Well, put... I mean, the way you would... There's only one way to do it, and it's just you take, eight, you take each one of those promos, you transcribe them, and then you take every single one of those sentences, and you put them in every order that's possible, and then you just read through that, and you see which one would make the most sense. And then yeah. you just guess, was this the sentence? Uh, and that's the only way, like, from a mathematical standpoint, you could figure it out. You could. But it would take a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. 
But uh, we get a nice little resurrection year. We get a nice feud with Bray Wyatt to get a nice refeud with Lesnar. You get some sort of Undertaker's revenge at SummerSlam. You get the Hell in the Cell match, Survivor Series, and then we get to our next stop, uh, where you you come to WrestleMania 32, Undertaker versus Shane McMahon, Hell in the Cell, uh, Undertaker's last Hell in the Cell, um, and then. We should watch the 31 match, though. I know I wasn't there for it. I would have been there, but we just ended up not being able to go at the last minute for uh, happenstance reasons. But just on the argument that, like, because, again, I didn't remember that this match with Lesnar was as good as it was. Oh, and the Bray I, Wyatt one is very good. I watched that back a couple times. It I is very that good. I last spot in the end where Wyatt does the spider walk and Taker sits up. That's a beautiful spot. But... I know the match, like, from what I remember, it just caps out at, like, just under 20 minutes. Um, so it's, like, one of the last, like, long matches Taker does. He goes, like, I think about just under 20 minutes with Bray, does 30 minutes with Shane the next year, and then does, I think, 23-59 with Roman at uh, 33, and then that's his last, like, long match on his own. Because um, I know the tag match he does with uh, Roman, with Drew and Shane, I think that clocks in at like 15 minutes or something like that. But that obviously has more bodies, so he didn't have to do all that, you know, much work. But his last like big one-on-one encounter was a 23 minute match. But honestly, like I, if you're down, I, I think it'd be fun to go back and watch the Bray match, because I haven't watched that match in a couple years. Sure, we can do it. Cool. Yeah, let's do that. Let's make a quick little pit stop. Yeah. Before we do uh, Mania 32, a quick little pity. Sounds, sounds like a plan. You heard it here, folks. We're making a pit stop next time to WrestleMania 31 to witness the resurrection of The Undertaker. Uh, as long and, as you're cool with it, I mean, it is your show. Of course. Of course. I don't mind because it, it seems kind of, in, in retrospect, seems kind of weird to not hit 31 on our way to 32. Because it's uh, almost like for, for like the non-wrestling fans, Listening to this, they see the streak die, and then all of a sudden we get to 32, and it's like, wait a minute, he's, he's got hair now, and he's, and he's, and he's, and he's, and he's fighting the son of the company in a salmon. It's like, what the fuck? How did he die? This is wrestling, pal. This is wrestling, pal. This could have happened the next night, fall and they concerned. Hey, this is WWE, pal. We're not, we don't have to make sense here. That's right. So, uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I think that'd be cool for like the. The, the least aware. Yeah, you, know, you get the, the res- most casual wrestling fan of your podcast. It'd be cool to kind of fill them in on what happened before the next Mania I was there for. Yeah, we get the pit stop and see the resurrection of the Undertaker uh, before we get to uh, our normal scheduled program of your first-hand encounters at WrestleMania 32. And both I'm looking forward to rewatching. I'm I'm a big fan of both of these coming up. Big fan of Bray Wyatt's match. Big fan of Shane McMahon. Um, yeah. I don't remember that one either. I just remember the, the fucking dive off the cage. Yeah, it'd be I know fun. It's 30 minutes, so I mean, there's obviously a lot it is. That I don't remember. And it'll be um, fun to, like, you know, tap into your memory bank and also see it again for, like, the first time in a couple years and get to get your uh, experiences again. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed watching this match back because it really, I did like, too. Changed, it changed my entire perspective, though, on the match. Like, I went into this. Kind of with a moan and groan, like, well, I gotta watch this match back. And, like, I enjoyed it, though. Like, I was sitting here, like, dude, that, like, it went by a lot faster, too, mm-hmm. than I thought it would. It did. It was just good. Like, I was just sitting here, like, I wasn't disappointed at any point. Like, they told a good story. The match had a good arc. The moves 
told a logical story and it just built from one move to a bigger move mm -hmm. to a bigger move and it just like it made sense yeah and of course i had great company to enjoy the match with thank you so much for always being here you always add uh, so much fun and enjoyment to these matches i can't thank uh, you enough i appreciate that man and i uh, yeah I'm, I'm happy to do it man. and you know why we're both creatures of the night i love undertaker i love talking about this stuff so i mean it's it's a, it's a thrill for me i got a huge kick out of it no pun intended but i mean i get a kick out of watching these taker matches so i mean my, it's my pleasure man and, and thank thanks you. for having me man of course i have more fun every time i do it i'm glad to hear it i'm i'm always happy to have you on here you're a great guest to have and if I didn't have fun, I wouldn't impromptu message you the day of today and be like, hey, what are you doing? Let's that's, do an episode. That's right. Right. And as always, it's always a pleasure. I can't wait for 31. I can't wait for 32 and beyond. And as always, I uh, thank you so much, Eamon. And for the Creatures of the Night, make sure to join us here. Same Taker time, same Taker channel next time as we make that pit stop to see the resurrection of The Undertaker at 31 before we continue with Eamon's memories of WrestleMania 32. And as I say each and every time, keep on rolling, baby. Until next time.